sir. We are back. What is up, everybody? Hello, Mr. Alec. How are you? How you doing, Gus? Good to see you again. It's been a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Surviving this coronavirus still. Yep. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> trapped inside a house. I feel like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. My, my wife's got me doing some home improvement stuff around the house. I've been, I've been burying <laughs> myself in external hard drives and just cleaning up files and moving things this way and moving things that way, deleting stuff that I didn't need for over a decade. Just cleaning it all up. I see you got Rocky behind you. Yeah, yeah, I got, this is one of my, uh, my favorite uh, screen printed posters that I got. So this is, this is Rocky from the first Rocky, and um, that's a dog that you hear as well. Yeah, she was excited. Um, but last time you had, uh, you had Matrix behind you. Yeah. So you collect posters, right? Uh, t- mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about like your, your collectibles and how long you've been doing it. I am, um, so I am, I, on the, on the, I collect movie posters. Mainly I've collected throughout my life, I've collected theatrical print posters so anything that comes from the theater as marketing material um those are a lot bigger than this by two inches or a little bit more um 27 by 40 where these are 24 by 36 um and when you work inside the movie theater or when you have a friend that works for a movie theater you're able to get all these different types of material for free it was kind of like the perk of working on a movie theater you would get the poster unless it was Star Wars or something very specific, on rare occasion, they would ask for it back. George Lucas was like that during the first three prequels of Star Wars. But people got away with it because they would say they would just destroy it or whatever. Right. Um, but I collect, uh, I collect now this, which is screen printed posters for over 10 years. And I just want to let everybody know that it is not a cheap hobby to have. It is, it is not a very, it's not at all. So. Do you think, uh, like, you know, with everybody at home, nobody working, like people such as yourself collecting posters, collecting movie, you know, memorabilia, has that taken a hit, you think, on sellers or are sellers dropping their prices? Because, you know, everybody hits the eBay, get things for cheap, and then they rack up the price for, for people that are collecting. So you can definitely on, on on a poster market for for instance I'm a, I'm a I'm in a couple different Facebook groups and I'm also um, on a couple different other websites. So you can definitely see the difference between people who are buying things for resale value, right? And you can see the difference in people who have a collection and now they're just they're needing to sell it because of financial times hardships. So when you look at a poster. You know, I, I've been really lucky lately. I've been able to get a bunch of my posters, you know, below market value or or just at market value, high markup. Um, but there's still ridiculous. Uh, you know, there, there's a the best example I can use is two: the Star Wars set, which is the the original Star Wars, A New Hope, um, Empire Strikes Back, and uh, Return of the Jedi. It's by a, uh, it's a Mondo posters collection, three of them, and it's by an uh, artist named Stout. He goes by Stout. That set, 2400 2600 maybe if you're, but if you're getting it from a collector who needs to sell it to another actual avid collector, you can probably get it for 12 15 but that's like once in a blue moon thing. Rocky Four, there's a Rocky Four out there. Um, I'm probably going to botch his name up, but his last name is Ed Edmonston. And it's a beautiful poster. I recommend people look at it. It, it is 
phenomenal. Even Stallone's posted it on his Instagram. And um, it's from 2014 or 15. And that was selling market value of like four four fifty, four hundred fifty dollars, but now it's like eight hundred, eight hundred fifty dollars. So, <laughs> it's it's some some people are dumping posters. I've been lucky. I've gotten a couple more Rambo and Rocky prints at market value or below it, like I said. But you know, the market is a weird thing right now. Some people are selling because they need money, but there's still people on eBay that are trying to get you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars for. A print so dvds i don't know i, I buy dvds because i like like you me and you both like actual tangible physical stuff yeah. so we like to actually physically touch things um vinyl that's a different market because vinyl has actually been upselling cds lately um so i don't think anything's changing there cd wise i don't think people are buying cds personally yeah but I think the CD yeah, CD market's over. Blu-rays are still hanging in there. Uh, you know, I personally, like if I'm buying a movie, I'm buying a Blu-ray mm -hmm. with the digital copy now, trying to build that library, just preparing for the eventual phase out of <laughs> of all that stuff. You Tangible know? I mean, stuff. I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep a Blu-ray player as long as, 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 as they exist. But, you know, I have a feeling once uh, my son grows up, you know, it might, we might get to a point where there's just no Blu-ray, everything's digital. So? Uh, I have but, a VHS you know, player. Probably, yeah, I got a VHS. I got the VHS DVD <laughs> combo, um, but I haven't used it in a while. Oh. So let's say uh, you've been home for what two or three weeks since the last time we talked. Yep. Have you seen anything worthwhile at home? Uh, on my end, I so I've been on a monster kick. I think we talked about that last time, and I've yep. actually been doing monster movies lately. So last night I actually watched the original first Invisible Man, H.G. Wells' Invisible oh, wow. Man, nineteen thirty-three, maybe. Because the last classic you saw when we last talked was The Mummy, right? Was The Mummy. So I did like King yeah. Kong movies, and then I did The Mummy, and now I'm kind of going back into to that. But I also, I'm doing a couple TV shows. Um, I started, have you watched um, Hollywood on Netflix yet? I have not. Somebody else told me to check it out. It's, it's great, and anybody out there wants to watch it, if you think that show is over-exaggerating on how much sexual favors get thrown around in Hollywood. <laughs> this show is not even the tip of the iceberg. Let yeah. me tell you, because the things that they do on the show, I'm just like, yeah, I, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I've, yeah. I've, yeah. I'm not going to put my personal You got to wonder if things there. are changing, though. You know, you got to you got to hope that things are changing for the better. I mean, I'm sure there's still still aspects on the, on the lower scale, probably on the more independent front or whatever. But it's harder, harder for these these high-end producers to get away with with stuff like that now because I feel like everybody has enough um, enough support to actually, you know, call them out on it. Yeah, I, well, this show doesn't really do a lot of hand-twisting, I guess. It's not, like, rape or cornering people. Well, at least I haven't gotten to that part of the season yet. Right. I'm only... It's just, it's just a, you know, favor, you know, you do this for me. Yeah, or it's like, I need to get my foot in the door. Like, for, for example, yeah. you know, he's meeting people in the industry because he's doing sexual favors so it's like right okay well i'll just do it this one time oh i meet somebody else i'll do it this time oh i'll do it somebody you know then kind of just dominoes from there but right um i've been watching that um yeah just between home improvement and trying to watch things it has been kind of difficult but but what about you have you watched any movies lately 
it is tough. I, I get you on the, you know, home improvement stuff, doing a little bit of stuff here, you know, like I said, with the drives, but also like the baby, you know, like tending to the baby and, and actually having <laughs> the yeah. energy to watch anything at the end of the night <laughs> is tough. Uh, so I'm chipping away at shows here and there. I just finished season one of Briar Patch, the Rosario Dawson show in USA, which was okay. Very stylish, but not a lot there past that. Uh, finished the latest season of Better Call Saul. Uh, I'm almost done with Westworld season three, which has been pretty solid. Uh, but the surprising one, uh, which you don't find surprising because you talked about this for a while, is uh, Bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys Tree. That was actually really entertaining. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't think the trailers were very good for it. Um, I can agree with that. It didn't have yeah, it didn't have the same kind of like flash as, as the Michael Bay Bad Boy films in the, in the trailer anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, this just feels like you know another money grab, another Men in Black three, another late you know, oh, late sequel. Men in Black Men in Black three. Men in Black no, three is a waste. Yeah. No way. <laughs> Best thing about Men in Black 3 was Brolin's Tommy Lee uh, no. impression. But uh, Will Smith just looked bored in Men in Black 3. He looked super bored. That's that ending, the ending with the whole father moment. That didn't tug yeah. at you. That, did, that, yeah. that was like, oh. Yeah. But, 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 but Bad Boys, like, surprisingly, I think Bad Boys for Life had the most plot out of the whole series. Uh. You know, like, like the first movie is like, okay, drug deal gone wrong. Got to protect the witness. Very simple, straightforward, 80s, 90s type, you know, action movie, action comedy. But this had a lot of, like, you actually got to learn more about Will Smith than you learned in any of the previous films, his character. Uh, and I think, like, you know, there's a really good reveal uh, later on in the film, which I was like, this movie doesn't even deserve to have this good of a reveal. It's, it's supposed to be a silly action movie. And this is a really good reveal. It was like, this movie surprising me on multiple <laughs> levels. Cam- I thought the cameos were better than the reveals, in my opinion. Yeah, the cameos were good. Um, I think the, the the weakest part of the movie is probably Martin Lawrence because I don't know if he's just been out of the game for a while, but he felt like slower. Not just because like he was like heavier or anything like that, but he felt like his speech was slower. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, you know, he's like like he was almost medicated. That's what it probably. felt like. I mean, well, is that part of his character though? If you were to think about it, where he's ready retired, he's he's a grand grandpa now. Yeah, I don't know. Just... I, I gotta. We'll see. In the, we'll see in the next yeah. one, which they yeah, obviously set up for another one. Yes. Um, but I saw him on HBO's The Shop. I don't know if you ever watched that show, LeBron James I've, talk I've show. It, it's like in the barbershop. I haven't watched it's it. It's really great. And, you know, it's, it's a cool concept. Um, but he, seeing him there, he was like normal Martin. Like he was just like talking normal. I was just like, maybe he just needed to knock the rust off and, and he'll be a little bit more energized in the next one. But, um, but that was like, Bad Boys for Life is super lucky considering all these other movies that have gotten pushed out of the theater mm-hmm. or shorter. It's going to go down probably as the highest grosser of the year. So, yeah, it, it actually broke a couple of records so far because it, it ran until mid-March. And it, and it broke yeah. records for a rated R film. So it was like they got lucky. They got they, – I mean, because anything that gets Super dropped lucky. in January and February, you're usually like, oh. It's usually – Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is <laughs> not going to be good. So I w- – like, like Kristen Stewart's uh, Underwater – for, for an example. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, a jan- that's, a, that's the very definition of a oh, January yeah. Oh, movie. yeah. I forgot all about that. <laughs> Jesus, why'd you put that back in my mind? <laughs> I, just, I, I did see that. I, I don't know if it was before our last episode, but I saw it at home, and I was like, there's just nothing to this movie. Like, it starts, the base is falling apart, and it's kind of like a ride, which is okay sometimes. You know, we talked about that mm-hmm. last time with, like, 1917 and Mad Max, but there's, there's so many, like, could have been suspenseful moments... 
going underwater, going from this, but like you don't care about any of these people. Like mm-hmm. I, I know nothing about them. It just starts and it just goes. Well, well, with um, Bad Boys, the biggest issue I have with Bad Boys for life, because you know I love my Bad Boys. You know I love my Bad Boys. I, I yeah. next to me here in a poster frame, I have a Bad Boys 2 theatrical poster sitting next to me. And <laughs> I love my Bad Boys. But I know this is not a Michael Bay film, but it didn't have that Miami feel. There's a lot of exterior shots in Miami, especially the South Beach Boulevard stuff, which is cool. But a lot of it felt like it was shot in Atlanta, excuse me. And there's a lot yeah. of green screen moments, especially them in the car. There's, there's, I'm like, this the car is, is, is definitely the worst green screen out of, out of the whole series yeah. for sure. Like, and it was blue screen too. I saw the behind the scenes. They actually used a blue screen for it. I was like, hey, you don't see that yeah, too like, often. Anymore. I, I, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, you're driving in the beach right in the beginning, but then when they cut to them inside the vehicle, I'm like, man, that looks bad. Damn, yeah. that looks bad. And then there's a couple scenes where like they're supposed to be in Overtown, and you're like. That's not Overtown. Like, yeah, that, man, where'd you find that place, man? Like, it looked... But, yeah, that's just one of those things, like, you know, people that are, aren't from there aren't going to give a shit, like... Uh, motorcycle chase, you could tell, is not Miami. Motorcycle, yeah, exactly. You're just like... I'm a Miami Another, boy, another so. example is, uh, yeah, remember uh, Too Fast, Too Furious is another example. There's, like, this car chase, and, like, you hear, like, the police helicopter above. He's like, oh, they're heading south on 95. I was like... That's yeah, that's, pike, but, it's he, he, but it's still Florida. But it's still Florida. It's still Florida. Yeah, yeah. That's the What are you talking about? Yeah, come on. First off, that was a 95. They would be going. There would be a lot more cars on that road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that was my only issue. I was watching it. I'm like, I, don't get me wrong. I still think the movie deserves an Oscar. But I. I it, it just <laughs> might get nominated. Oh, <laughs> um, I was just like, ah. This, this, and you know my gripe. Yeah. You know my gripe with the reveal at the end. So I don't want to give anybody any spoilers. You already know my gripe with the reveal at the end. I, I like the reveal. No, I, I didn't have a problem with the reveal. Uh, yeah. I had a problem with yeah, yeah the whole the details of it. Yeah. I guess the details yeah. of it. I mean, whatever for people out there who haven't seen it, go watch it. It's Bad Boys. Um, another disclaimer for everybody that um, Alec loved this one. For the record, he does not like Bad Boys too, which. I believe it's probably one of the greatest action movies ever made. I like two scenes, very three scenes very much in the movie. Obviously, the scene with uh, them interrogating Reggie. That was a nice uh, callback in part three, the way they did that. Uh, the deal gone wrong with Gabrielle Union that turns into the car chase. Oh, uh, you know, with the that was amazing. And the the uh, carousel camera work, you know, going around the shootout in the house, that that was pretty inventive. I thought that was really cool, which Michael Bay brought back in the first Transformers. Mm-hmm. You could only do that trick once. Really? I think. You could only do that once. And it, it was great in Bad Boys. And then I see it in Transformers, like, all right, well, he's just doing the Bad Boys thing. I guess. <laughs> I mean, Nolan does like that, that whole thing when like the characters are speaking and he goes around them instead of doing like a cut, then a cut, and then like doing that. You know, he right. just does a whole like the Batman he did in Batman. He goes around them. I, like on the, all the rooftop yeah. and all that. They always did that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get you. Um, but yeah, uh, I, own, I own Bad Boys too. Of I course, do you're a collector. Um, you have to have the set. But, I, but, I, but I, if, I had, if I had to rank them, I'd go, even, even though I was pleasantly surprised with part three, I'd still go with number one as the best uh, for, for just overall vibe. And like, you know, Martin Lauren, young Martin and young Will, like yeah. kind of just hitting their stride. I was like, I thought they were great in that. Then I go three, and then I go two. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so with Bad Boys for Life, that was, uh, as of right now, and it would probably stay that way, the biggest hit of the year, uh, box office-wise. What's your thoughts on uh, this, this potential war between AMC and Regal and Universal or studios in general and, and the possible rumor of uh, Amazon purchasing AMC, which might have been debunked, but might be So, happening. man, there's, there's a lot there to, to, to unfold, right? So let, let's start off with, with the game of chicken, as I would call it. I think that's what I texted you a week ago or whatever, whenever it broke out. It's a big game of chicken because AMC came out if anybody doesn't know, or maybe just read clickbait titles, they're talking about they're never going to show. Well, they are not. They're banning Universal films from being shown in their locations for how long? No one knows, because there's no way you're telling me that you're going to throw away Fast and the Furious in Jurassic World six money. No there's, way. There's just no way. There's there's no way. Just just be, just because they threw trolls <laughs> yeah. on VOD yeah, early, I, I, it's, like. it's the most ridiculous thing. And then the next day, Regal jumped on board, and I'm like, uh, okay, why did Regal jump on board? So when Regal jumped on board, it, it it definitely made things a lot more interesting. We didn't get the trifecta yet. Um, we didn't get the trifecta yet, which is Regal, AMC, and then uh, Cinemark. We haven't gotten that yet. So Cinemark is just standoffish. They're not doing anything. They haven't said anything. Universal, then the third day, pushed back and said, we didn't do anything wrong, which I agree with them. They, they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. What are you going to do, shelf an, a movie for a year? A Trolls movie? Right. What, what are you going to do? It's Trolls. It's Trolls. Yeah, it's, it's worth it to shift off Fast and the Furious because that movie's going to give you a yeah, billion dollars. Yeah, for sure. Like, and, then, yeah. and then on top of that, it was it, 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 it's a game of chicken because... What are you gonna? Are you calling out Universal right now because you want other studios to be aware of what's going on and that you'll quote unquote do the same with them? However, are you really gonna do that to Disney when they put Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus? Are you going to do right. that to Warner Brothers because they've already announced that Scoob, you know, the the, the animated version of Scooby Doo is coming out on 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 video on demand? Are, are you really gonna shut out three studios now? So was it like, hey, we're ready to pull the trigger. You guys better not. Because let me tell you right now, I don't care what you do with Warner Brothers. I don't care what you do with Sony. Nobody's pushing the mouse around. That, that's, that's a nope. fact. You, you do not have any leverage <laughs> over the mouse. I don't care how low their stock drops. You will never push the mouse over. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's a game of chicken. And I, I don't think the studios are going to back down, especially Disney. I don't see them turning around going, oh, you know, we changed our mind. We're, we're going to release it. No, no, they're, they're not going to. And I, I, Universal doesn't seem like they're going to apologize. So I think I, I think once you start incorporating other things like AMC being bought out by Amazon, okay, that's interesting. How is that going to work? Because right. um, back in 1945, there was a big a, a big case that went to the Supreme Court of the United States, which was the United States versus Paramount Pictures. And believe it or not. This was finally a lawsuit that took like four or five years to get there. They actually been, uh, they've been, uh, cinemas, movie theaters have been trying to get that lawsuit going, but it had been actually stopped by um, Theodore Roosevelt when he was president. And it's just mm. been getting postponed and postponed and postponed. And finally, in 1945, it went to court. It was, it was a couple of, not a couple, it's a bunch of things in that that law that got passed 
because back then you know very well and i don't know if a lot of people out there who are watching this or listening to this would know studios had a lot of leverage over actors uh movies uh music like they put you on a contract that's what you wanted when you were an actor mm -hmm. i wanted to get a contract but if i was on a contract with paramount i couldn't i couldn't go do a movie at universal you know i couldn't go do a movie at warner brothers so this this is how they were able to eliminate that monopoly that studios were making money like they were making stupid amount of money and then it also prevented studios from owning um a movie theater so and i think that was in 1945 or 1948 something like that you know, way before i was born before my parents were born <laughs> so it, it was something that got passed so their studios are technically not allowed to own their own exhibition right the only the only there's a few there's a few uh, not examples but there's a few uh, that are allowed to bypass that wall um, I know Universal City Walk has a movie theater um, but I think it's owned by Regal uh, okay so it's AMC. AMC I don't remember which one at, you know, Orlando is run by that might be an AMC too or it might be a Regal uh, there's the El Capitan which is in Hollywood they get away with it from my understanding or what I've been told this is I was told like 10-15 years ago they only have one or two screens and they do like big premieres on Hollywood yeah it's a show right like it's, it's not like, and it's right across yeah. the street from the Man Chinese Theater um, on Hollywood Boulevard and it's a big show so they'll close everything down and they'll do big Disney premieres there but the funny thing is is when I worked for Arclight in LA I don't know if things have changed the Arclight in Hollywood has the big Cinerama Dome and if there's a Disney movie playing at the El Capitan because that's their movie they don't let it show at the Cinerama Dome and that's another intricate part of how things work in the movie theater industry if if you're too close to another theater, you can't have maybe a certain movie or or more prints than that movie theater, depending who does more business. So let's yeah. say you're a mom and pop theater, and this is AMC with 35 screens, and they're gonna hold 15 Avengers. You might get two, you might get four. So it's what wow. it's this weird market that's done behind closed doors, and then with the El Capitan. Cinerama Dome doesn't get anything. Or if Disney's yeah. nice enough, they might give it give it to them, but they're like, you can't put it in the Cinerama Dome, which the Cinerama Dome holds, what, like a couple hundred people, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, so now we're losing business. Yeah, we can do one or two theaters, non-3D, or maybe only 3D. Then you lose more business because nobody wants to pay in L.A., which is $25 a ticket for a 3D movie. So who's, you know, right. not everybody's rich in L.A., so... What do you do? What you drive across town for an hour and a half in traffic, and then you watch it at some Regal. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of things going on there, man. And, and I I believe studios are going to budge first. I think they're holding on to an old way of thinking, a old style of doing things. They don't have the leverage that they used to. But NATO, man, the National Association of Theater Owners, they're they're bullies. They they don't care and they're I was thinking about this today before our podcast which was 10-15 years ago like people like Spielberg people like Nolan all would back up theaters the movie going experience but putting the movie going experience aside they would back up the theaters that you needed to put movies in theaters and even the Oscars the Oscars would right. not 
Um, they're actually making a few relaxed rules this year um, for movies being accepted to the Oscars. But they still have to they still have to run in yeah, LA and New York for seven days. Yeah, it's. I feel like that's always been the rule. You need to run in New York or LA for seven days, but they're allowing like you know yep. streaming movies. Like, it feels a little bit like just kind of bullshit. You know, like why don't you just make that the standing rule? You know, just just do it for this year. And you know, it's funny the the articles that that talk about that. They'll put a put pictures of like extraction or something like that. I was like I was like you know, no that movie again nominated for Best that. Man, come on. Like, um... So, so it's weird. It's 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 like this weird old way of doing things because when you have more and more directors working for streaming companies, you know you got Scorsese who's done stuff with Netflix, who's going to be doing stuff with Amazon. He he's yeah. bringing De Niro and he's bringing DiCaprio. You know who knows? Five years from now, Nolan might yeah. change his mind. Spielberg might change his mind and go, well, Warner Brothers is not giving me a billion dollars to do this movie, but Amazon is. Mm, I guess I gotta. Yeah. I guess I gotta eat my own shoe and go work for Amazon, you know. Well, Nolan, Nolan actually likes the Amazon model as it is right now, which is like what is a ninety-day theatrical window and then on on the Prime, right after that. He's cool with that because that's pretty much all you really need, mostly yeah. for movies now. Is anyway three months and then it's kind of done anyway. Um, he's just completely against Netflix, you know, because like, it's just like automatically. Stream, but I, I know that Irishman premiered in a theater for it did both, a couple weeks, right? I think, before it no. debuted on. Well, it got limited yeah. release. But it, but it was like a couple. There was a couple weeks lag between. Yeah, it was at least a week or two lag. But it was like New York, between, Chicago, um, LA, yeah. San Francisco. You know, the major cities. You know, yeah, yeah, somebody in Milwaukee is probably not gonna be able to catch it, or even probably even in South Florida where we live, not gonna be able to catch it. Vegas, we didn't get it. You know, we didn't get it here in Vegas, or at least I don't remember getting it in Vegas. Yeah. So with uh, with what you're what you're talking about the you know the the law that was set in place you know 1945 all that kind of stuff would, so would that make it impossible for let's see like a Netflix to have a theater chain where like members could just come in they they have like a scanner or whatever they scan their thing and they could watch you know a Netflix movie on the big screen for this limited amount uh, of time or whatever I think those are two different things so I think if Netflix were to open a roadshow theater right where you can come in and you can watch like let's say let's use hbo for an example you want to come in and watch hbo game of thrones on the big screen if that's not going to impede in business on a regal or amc theater because you're showing a specific only your specific made movie there exactly i don't i don't think so um but i don't know you know, and how do you sustain that if you're just letting people with their membership, unless you increase a membership or make a different membership package, how, you know, how do you make money? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, you have to bump up the, the, the membership package, a couple of extra bucks for whatever. Uh, you'll be able to watch the movie, whatever movies they actually have available to show on the big screen. And then obviously you make more money at the concessions and stuff like that, just like any other theater would, would operate. But it'd just be Netflix movies. It's, it's all you can see. Maybe. I don't know movies. what the workaround is. To be honest with you, I have I don't know. I, I know they do showings there in L.A. At their, at their, they have their own cinema there at their studio or at their office. But um, yeah. I don't know. You know, I've I've been to a couple um, pre-screenings where you go and you screen the movie before it gets released. And, and you get to, like, be do a Q&A and, and you have to fill out a, 
non-disclosure card or you're not going to talk about the movie and then like in the middle of the movie there'll be like a big card that would flash up and like insert this scene or this scene's not done right like you watch all right. these test screenings of, of movies but I've, I've gone to the actual studio to do that to watch test screenings so I, I don't I I don't I don't yeah. know that's a very good question I've never thought about it but I think I think theaters need to be careful on how they're throwing rocks because they're they're in a glass house and you know they don't have that pull anymore they're, this is not rush hour two and if anybody who doesn't know rush hour two right uh forgot what the reason was but regal did not allow rush hour two to be put in their theaters back then like they were like something happened it was something with new line it was a new line yeah i think it's a new line movie huh. and it yeah. was like something with new line and they were like okay we're not gonna show rush hour two boom and it like barely made any money it barely made any money. True. And that was like a big deal. This was what, two, 2002, 2000, something like that? And. It had a big opening, though. It definitely it wasn't opened in, big. I remember back that. Back then, it was in what? 5,000 different yeah. cinemas or something? So for Regal back then yeah, in true. 2000, 2002, that's a lot of pull. They don't have that pull now. They don't have that. Yeah. You know? And. It's, yeah. And Trolls is not the best example, right? Like, like it's it's obviously like it wasn't in theaters at all. It wasn't like you know pulled like it, it just had a release date, and now everybody's at home, so mm-hmm. it's a kids movie. So like, I, like do you think that like one, it's a bad example, but two, like would this kind of like would people overreact? Studios overreact to this? Like, oh, maybe like we got to find some kind of workaround, uh, maybe a shorter theatrical window. That we could actually still take advantage of this whole VOD thing, or uh, or or that the theater's just going to blink um, or swerve out of the way and be like, eh, you know, for, let's just for, stick first and foremost, I think they're going to stick to whatever the almighty dollar is going to let them, whatever is going to be their ROI, right? That's that's the first thing they're going to look at. They don't care about yeah. quality. They don't care about the community of people. They don't care about the experience, whether you're experiencing at home or they they care about where's the more bang from our buck because we need to make money on this ROI, you know. And I think that's what they're going to look at first. Hopefully, that path is better for the consumer. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think movie theaters are going to have a hard time getting the wheels moving, especially with restrictions. If you, I'm sure everybody's been seeing the restrictions right. that they're having in stores that are opening across the country. You can't even you have to wait in line to get into the store you have to wear a mask in most stores costco you have to wear a mask they're handing out masks okay so am i gonna have to feel uncomfortable going to a movie theater sitting separated from other people you know and still pay a lot of money because yeah. i can tell you right now theaters are gonna jack up their prices on concessions maybe not right off the bat yeah. but i can tell you come october september or October, November, excuse me, they're gonna they're gonna rack up those prices. They're gonna be like, oh yeah, it was nine dollars for a large popcorn. Now it's eleven fifty, and you're like, oh my god, you know, because they want to they want to compensate, yeah. they want to make that money, and that's sadly what it comes down to. So I think video demand is here, and I just don't think people want to accept it, and that's what's sad. That's the sad part right. about it. They just do not want to accept it. But I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I think I think there's a good amount that do, but then yeah, there are there are those stubborn people, and the, and the unfortunately the stubborn people have large, loud voices, that are you know just yeah. not going away. But um, 
Yeah, I feel like Nolan's one of the very few that's just, he's definitely holding on to the theatrical experience. And, you know, I praise him for it because I love seeing his movies mm -hmm. on the big IMAX screen. Um, but, yeah, there has to be some kind of like, oh, yeah. give and take. But, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens, man. What we talk about today on Tuesday, May 12th, it, it come come yeah. six hours from now, the president <laughs> will be on the TV and be like, oh, we're going to shut the country down again. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, what do, what yeah. do we do? So, you know. Going to shut down this yeah. perfect economy, the, the best economy I, anybody's ever seen. I can't seen. even do an impression of him. That was, that was a much better impression than I could do. But we'll all see, man. It's all about COVID-19. So, I don't, I don't know. It's changing the movie theater landscape for sure. But what do you think it's going to do to movies in general? Uh, well, you know, I, I hear that um, I, I was reading up on Kevin Smith. And, uh, you know, he was, he was riding mall rats to, I forget what, it, what the subtitle is called, but. He was getting ready to go, and then like he was like, oh, I got to do a new draft now. I got to work in COVID nineteen because like, how could you ignore it? Like you know, it's 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 everywhere. You can't just like move on and not address it. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like with Kevin Smith and the and the kind of writer he is now, it's going to be such a dominant thing in his movie. Like it, it's just going to be all over, and there's going to be like random Signs jokes thrown around it, like sex jokes, fart jokes, all this kind of stuff is going to be all tied into COVID nineteen. Kevin, if you see this, don't um, do that. And no, don't no. do that, man. <laughs> you're, you're better than that. You're better than that. But um, but yeah, like uh, I don't know. Like I, I guess in some cases, it's okay, you know, and, and maybe maybe. Sometimes it doesn't need to be addressed. Maybe it could just be like characters wearing masks in the background and, and, and audiences just know, you know. But also I feel like maybe audiences just want to escape, you know. Like we've been stuck at home watching the news, reading this, reading that about COVID-19, restrictions, everything like that. Like once movies start getting made again, I feel like, at least me, I would want to watch a movie to so escape So you know what? Maybe those shit. dystopian <laughs> future movies might come back in. Maybe, maybe some more Fifth Element movies. Maybe, Yeah. There'll be some greenlit stuff, you know. The you know the world is wiped out by uh, something worse than the than the coronavirus. Yeah, we went we went straight to the book of Eli. You know, COVID, didn't we? We just, COVID twenty, <laughs> yeah. COVID, uh, you know, thirty three from two thousand thirty three. You know, something that wiped out the you know half of the planet or something like that. And then they'll just go with that. You know, there's definitely people you know thinking what? about that. You know what, that. though, I'm I'm excited um, for the first if it's done well, and I could totally see like a John Krasinski being in it because. I don't really see him. There we go. We're back, everybody. Um, again, take one thousand and five, because Gus doesn't know how know what he's doing. Um, so we were talking about COVID nineteen and different things that that, that maybe scripts or movies might incorporate. Because we were talking about how Kevin Smith has rewrote Mall uh, Rats too, right? Mall Rats too. Yeah. And um, John Krasinski, hopefully, he, he's going to be that one-dimensional actor that makes the first romantic comedy, where people get quarantined <laughs> together and they hate each other and they get they they go at it for six to eight weeks and then after that they fall madly in love, you know, and then they get married and uh, that that'll that'll be the the all tell-all ro COVID rom-con, I guess. But um, but yeah, we were talking about Kevin Smith. Yeah, I mean, just in general, like, comedies-wise. We're talking about real kind of comedies. Let's talk about comedies. Like, Kevin Smith. Have you been a fan of Kevin Smith since, like, you know, his time when he came on, you know, 1994, I believe it was, with Clerks? Yeah, um, I've... 
I was really young when he came on, but I'm, I've always been a fan of Kevin Smith from when I got introduced to him by the older crowd. Older people telling me, you need to watch this, you need to watch this. And when I was younger, I never really grasped it and understood it, except for um, Dogma's my favorite, but except for uh, uh, the one that really hit me the closest to home is, is Chasing Amy, because you can never have the girl that you want. You'll never end up with the... the for us, it's the girl, right? But for anybody out there who's seen it, you can never end up with the person that you think you really want, that you've wanted. So the ending of that movie is like, wow, that, that sucks. But you're just like, that's life, you know? You yeah. know? But I still think Dogma is my favorite because... Yeah, Chasing Amy is, 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 is the one for me because, like you said, I guess the most realistic. Um, but there's also just really good comedy mm-hmm. there with, uh, with Hooper X and... Uh, yeah, his whole reveal, like, you know, he's like this militant, like, character that he's playing, but he's, like, super gay <laughs> when he's not playing it. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. Um, the bloopers on that are really good, if, if you watch the bloopers on the on the DVD. But Chasing Amy, yeah, Dogma was great. You know, great story. Uh, really, really smart film. Uh, interesting, uh, you know, Linda Fiorentino's the lead. She, she didn't really, she, they tried to make her, like, a thing, like, with Dogma and Men in Black, but she just never really took off. It was weird. She just disappeared. Uh, that yeah. was her in, and in then, Dogma, um, wasn't it? Was Man. Her. And then Clerks. The first Clerks, you know, like, the first Clerks feels like a first movie. Like, it feels like a student film. Acting's not great. Uh, but, it, you know, it's still impressive. You know, like, he maxed out some credit cards to get it made and you know, shot it on film uh, and just got it in the right hands. And, you know, unfortunately, the right hands were Harvey Weinstein, but Harvey Weinstein made a lot of people's careers. Uh, and destroyed a lot of people's lives at the same time. <laughs> uh, just look the other way. But yeah, uh, <laughs> how about how about Kevin Smith's later uh, later films, like the the serious ones, the Red State, the Tusk. So I've, I've seen Red State, and because I'm a John Goodman fan, I watch anything with John Goodman, um, even Blues Brothers 2000, which is sadly, sadly not a good movie. But um, <laughs> uh, I did not see Tusk, which is the one he turned into something. It's it's a it's a weird movie. Uh, Justin Long plays a reporter that's like chasing down the story of a guy that had this weird friendship with a walrus years ago, and he wanted to interview the guy about it. And uh, it goes down a few weird uh, weird avenues. <laughs> there's some there's some it's is hard to describe without just watching it. But it's it's a strange film, not necessarily a good one, but it's what's his uh, name? It's definitely original. Ju- Ju- Justin uh, Long. Justin Long. And uh, Michael Parks uh, is the uh, the older guy. Oh, yeah. the, he's in Red, he's in Red State, mm-hmm. the preacher, yep. um, cult leader. He's in all the um, well, most most all like those Tarantino films. He plays the yeah. plays the the same sheriff actually. Exactly. The same sheriff, yeah. the same sheriff killed Bill, yep. and I think he first Tarantino from movie Dust Till Dawn. Dust Dawn. Well, no, that was that's a Rodriguez yeah. film, but Tarantino's in it. Yeah, it was Tarantino's script, though, right? I thought it was a Rodriguez script. I don't know. I don't. I love it so much that I don't really care. It's it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's it's excellent. Yeah, that's a fun movie. <laughs> um, Clerks too. I uh, like yeah, back to his comedies. That's one that I, I really don't feel gets enough uh, props. Like a lot of people just kind of shit on it, but I thought it was funny mm-hmm. and, and and it was pretty brave for the comedy to put in there. Like you got like a dude fucking a horse in the movie, like. <laughs> not that it's something that I seek out, but it's just like that's pretty brave to put in the movie. A movie that's put in the theater probably won't ever happen again, unless you're like just Netflix or some streaming platform where you don't have to worry about going through the MPAA or anything. Oh God! Um, I'm surprised I got passed. Honestly, I'm surprised I got passed to get an R rating. 
because uh, that was just so twisted. Yeah, I, I, but, anything um, that makes fun of Lord of the Rings, I'm there. So when he makes yeah. a what's his name puke, is is for me it was the best. It was the best part. Uh, I haven't seen any of his new comedies because uh, they just look bad. Like uh, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot just looks really bad. Really? I haven't um, seen it, but I, I, like, I, I wish I could have gone. He was doing like an actual road show with it. He was actually going on tour with it. And I kind of wish I had jumped on that because he, he would be there. He would watch it with fans and he would do like a Q&A. And, and right. I thought that'd be pretty cool. I mean, he seems like a like still like a great guy. He, he's definitely all about his fans, uh, and like you know, he owns up to his like shit, like his his you know shortcomings as a director or a writer or whatever like that. Like, you know, it sounded like a horror story. Him you know, working on Cop Out with, uh, oh, with Bruce Willis. That was like that was like his only director for hire gig. But it's hilarious. Um, if you watch Cop Out, it's funny. Uh, I, I gotta watch it again. I, I guess it was just like knowing the behind-the-scenes drama, yeah. like it, it, the movie felt like kind of off in some way. Well, you gotta imagine for um, him, it must have sucked for him. He, I think he even oh, says that he's like, I got to work with one of my dream actors, and he's a crappy person. Yeah. I wouldn't say a horrible person, but he's just a crappy person to work with. They always say, you know, never meet your heroes. <laughs> oh man! But you know, there, there, there's some people I think that will. Like Tom Hanks, I'm sure somebody everybody want to meet, and I feel like he'd live up. I feel like he'd live up to the to the praise. To the hype, yeah, live up to the hype. But you know, Kevin Smith, you know, he loves his comic books. Um, big comic book fan. He's got that show called Comic Book Heroes, right? On or is it like still that. on? I don't know if it's still on, but yeah, it was going for a while. But I would um, watch it. But I, I was th- th- that was a show where I would watch, and I was like, I would never go to that comic book store. Yeah. Because I feel like everything there is going to be marked up. Right. <laughs> For, for like period everything you, 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 you the comic book you can buy for 10 bucks over here it's going to be like 30 dollars there and i'm just like eh. he seems to always have some kind of intel too especially in like the dc universe like you know what, mm-hmm. what's going to be happening there i don't know how much of it he actually knows or he's just trying to you know, stir the pot a little bit but he's definitely a big comic book fan yeah yeah as long as he if if, if he can release that Zack snyder cut i'm all there i'm for it do we for, need to see the, that though? Do we need to see yes, Zack Snyder? Yes, we do. Yes, yes, we do. Has, has yes, Zack Snyder do. done anything since 300 that, you, that, that we really look at and be like, oh man, I really need to see a Zack Snyder? First it. off, first off, I love 300. I love 300. But, no, that's what I'm saying. But, but since then, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dawn of the Dead remake was fantastic. That's my favorite of his. Okay. I feel like I feel like every movie he makes is is less, Watchmen. <laughs> less Watchmen is is the closest comic book movie to ever follow the comic book. They change, they change, they change the end of the world aspect of it from the comic book because they didn't, I guess my understanding is the studio didn't want it to be too wild because it actually involved like, involved some other stuff. But besides that little tweak, it's, it's excellent. It's right here behind me. Um, I highly recommend it. It's, it, it. You know, it wasn't a bad movie. It was. It was a bit of a bore for me. Like I, I, I respected. It's long. I respected it. You know, a, a faithful adaptation. I was a fan of the HBO uh, Watchmen because it, it didn't really have like much of a mm-hmm. tie to the original. It was just its own thing. Really? Which I like. Which I like. I but mean, it, it, had, pick, it picks, had characters. Picks up. It had characters that you you know that you know from the comic. Dude, it picks up like right yeah. after it. It's like I thought it was supposed to do something completely different. My buddy had to like sit down and explain it to me. It picks up right after that sort movie. Sort of, ends. but it still takes place. In, it takes place current day though. It takes place like 
because uh, the technology and people, everything uses obviously it takes place now, alternate reality sure. now. Um, but Regina King, it was cool to see her in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the role that she was in. Um, and it was, it was there were some spotty parts, but there were some episodes that were just really like, this is great TV. And I don't know if it's going to come back. Um, Damon Lindelof said, like, you know, he's not sure if it's going to come back. Everybody's moved no. on to other projects. So it's like. One and, one and done, but yeah. That's whatever. okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. A good, it's a good tied up, you know, one winner. That's fine with me. Did you see, uh, oh, man, what's the ice? Ice, uh, the exact name of it was the Owl movie. Um, oh no, the animated one. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it, it looked, I liked it. Looked it. Like a pretty film though. It looked like the um, Sucker Punch could have been great. It yeah. could have, could have. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, so I'll give, Man, I'll give Man people of Steel Sucker Punch. And, uh, and, uh, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Man of Steel is great. They're just bore. They were boring. They were boring. No, yeah. no. Henry, Henry Henry Cavill has got like not. It just doesn't have a lot going on personality wise. Really, man. I I think he's a phenomenal Superman. He, yeah. He's got the look. Let's make something clear. Hold on. He's let's make something look. clear. He's never gonna be Christopher Reeve. Nobody is. Like nobody's ever gonna be Sean Connery <laughs> from James Bond. Get off the high horse, people. I think I think That's... there's certain though. Like there's a there's a certain thing to actors that are not from here, European, Australian, whatever, that when they put on an American accent a lot of times they lose a little bit of their like charisma a little bit of their personality because they're, they're a little focused not on Christian Bale Christian Bale's an, an anomaly <laughs> an, an anomaly but like, but like Bale. but like you look at like um, let's not say not Idris Elba yeah, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you examples of actors that aren't like great actors not David Oyelo <laughs> Those, are, those are real actors, man. Those are real actors. <laughs> Henry Cavill is not a real actor. Aww, Henry Cavill falls in the same... The Man from Uncle is great. Man from Uncle's got such great energy, except for the two leads, like Army Hammer no. and Henry Cavill. They're so boring. They're boring people. Aww. But, like, think about it. So, like, uh, Henry Cavill's the same kind of guy as Sam Worthington and Jai Courtney. Like, they could do the job, but, like, that's about it. They're not going to bring a lot to it past... Jack Courtney's from Australia or New Zealand, isn't Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like anybody... Okay. Like, the sort of Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington's Australian. But, like, if you keep them with their native accent, they actually got some personality. Like, Jack Courtney was one of the better parts of Suicide Squad. But, like, yeah, you, you look at I him in other, other movies where he's got an American accent, dude, boring. Sam Worthington, no, the problem boring. Is, the, the problem is, is those two character, characters, those two actors should not be first billed. No. Period. Yeah. Period. They should not be first build, and, that, and that's I I will strongly say that. But Henry Cavill, he did he did well. I guess he got to keep his accent right in The Witcher. Did you watch The Witcher? I haven't seen The Witcher yet. No. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. I highly recommend The Witcher. He was good in um, in Mission Impossible, but I feel like you know when it's a an outlet for you know like maybe not having so much personality as a hero. Like you get to be the villain. Villains are villains are fun. You get to have fun as a yeah. Villain. So like, but I, I but we both for him, maybe. You know? But we've both agreed that that one thing that that series has missed since Philip Seymour Hoffman oh, is a good vi- is a good villain. Oh yeah, for sure. So I think Henry Cavill, which, even which though I, he was the main uh, villain, yeah, that's what bummed me out about the villain that they had for part five and six because that actor is really good. I forget his name, Sean something, but he was in um, first time I saw him was in this movie called Harry Brown with Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. He played like this arms dealer. Mm-hmm. And he was fucking terrifying. He was really good. And he, he was really good in Prometheus. as the small part that he had. I was like, this guy's going to kill his villain role. And he was so dull in part five. I think he was just so... He had to be so, so serious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 
aligned. And, that, and that's why in part six when I saw him like with the, with the beard and like you know angry from being in prison, like maybe he's going to let loose a little bit. But they didn't really give him much to work with in part six. It was more Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but we'll see. You know. But well, see I mean, next one. What, what happens to Henry Cavill? Do you think? What, what do you what do you think happens to these superstars that are well? Henry Cavill plays Superman, right? So what do right. you think happens to superheroes who now want to be superstars? And Dwayne The Rock Johnson does not count because I don't know what it is about that guy. (laughs) He just makes money. I don't. I don't get it. But still, like a lot of the money he makes is is overseas. Like a lot a lot of these movies that maybe not don't don't so well do so well in the U.S. do well overseas, and they keep you know like Skyscraper that was not a hit in the U.S. but it made money overseas. Yeah, you know because it had Chinese China actors. I think it was a Chinese production company. Like it it worked its way around making a lot of money in China. Well, I'll throw your curveball. I'll throw your curveball. Okay. What do you think about Extraction? Uh, I thought it was a fun action movie, right? Uh, and Netflix was the perfect home for it. Like, it's, it's a movie you watch at home. Um, it's got a, a couple good entertaining action sequences. It would absolutely flop in the theater. Like, yes. It's not, a, it's not a movie that would do well in the theater, but especially everybody's quarantined, that movie probably got more eyes than it normally would have for a Netflix movie because everybody's home. It was good timing for it. Um, but Chris Hemsworth and all the Avengers and DC superheroes as a whole, as a whole, they're, they're not superstars. Like, yeah, they'll get your movie greenlit, probably, but you're not guaranteed to make money anymore. Like, you're not going to make money off of them. It's not like yeah. having, uh, you know, like Tom Cruise for, from the 80s pretty much up until um, his couch jumping incident on Oprah. <laughs> up until then, he was full, like, Bulletproof, like you know, any movie he's in doesn't matter what it is. That movie is going to make a hundred million minimum in the U.S. Even Vanilla Sky made a hundred million, and all I had was his face on the poster. Like that was just his face. Tom Cruise is in this movie. I'm going to see it, and it's going to make a hundred million. Like that was a guarantee. That doesn't happen anymore. Will Smith was was that guy for a while too, and I believe he made he made a good choice for his family by taking off after um, Seven Pounds for a few years. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a bad choice career-wise because everything up until that point like he was just killing it like he was making money the guy yeah i wrote i robot is a fun movie i like i robot a lot which but is it, sad it, because that's based off of a series of isaac asimov yeah. books that i read and i really wish they would just be like we're gonna do a, a, a sequel a, a quote-unquote right. another the, the other book for it and it just it just got away from it like you know, like in that damn that movie with anybody else made exactly the same way, probably wouldn't have made any noise. There's Will Smith, and Will Smith was a hit. It's because it had Shia maker. LaBeouf. That's why. It's because yeah. it had Shia LaBeouf. So, like, Will Smith took <laughs> some time off, and then he came back with, what, After Earth? Who cares about that? Like, nobody cares about doing a movie with your he kid. He got into this weird groove where it was like, I got to do things with my family. Yeah. I got to do things with my kids. And, and you're like, you could like, uh, like you could have found so many better actors. And I get you want to do things with your kid, but now your kid's kind of walked away from film. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. He's doing music. He's doing like you he's, know humanitarian type stuff. Yeah, fantastic. Because yeah. he's never gonna have to work a day in his life. But yeah, exactly. you know, <laughs> you that opportunity could have been given to somebody who's going to school and training and working their way up. And right, you, you know. I mean, nepotism is gonna always be around. I feel like if you're talented, like if you have it, then I'm I'm okay with it. Like Jason Reitman obviously got a leg up because his dad's Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. Jason Reitman's actually a really good filmmaker. Up in the Air was like one of my favorite movies of this de- of this century. Like I think it's it's a great movie. It's it reminds me of the '90s 
comedy dramas that we you know like grew up with like it was like a Jerry Maguire type movie mm. like it hit on all cylinders like great acting great writing good drama romance everything and it was perfect it was just a perfect movie and they don't make many of those anymore and I think he peaked with that <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll see I kind of like Tully I don't know if you saw Tully with uh, Charlize Theron that was yes. a good return yes yeah. that, 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 the, the, the writer right a, yeah adult uh, young adult, not, no, was yeah, it? No, yeah, she came. I, she did she, totally, Diablo but, Cody, yeah, she yes. came back. Yeah, uh, they did. I think they did Young Adult and Juno together. Young Adult was phenomenal. Um, but they, but like, I feel like that was a good little comeback for him. It didn't make a lot of noise that movie, but I thought it was interesting. Did he do? Um, did he do Draft Day? No, he did. In between, he did Labor Day. Who, what was it? His dad that did Draft? Who did? Draft I think day? his dad might have done Draft Day. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't right. mention it. Um, but yeah, so what was it? So yeah, like nepotism's gonna be around. If if you're talented, then you know, good. Like Sofia Coppola is a great filmmaker. She's not a good actress, but she's a great filmmaker. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. But um, but yeah, so with um, what were we talking about? We got off a little. Chris, 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 well, we're talking <laughs> Chris about Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth and, yeah, and, so you Chris know. Hemsworth, like you know, Extraction would not have made any money in the theater. If you look at his box office, pretty much anything that's not Thor or Avengers, it's a box office flop. Yeah. Same with same with Chris Evans. Probably, maybe really? some, yeah, Robert Downey as well. You know, like, what has he done between? Uh, he did Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes were, were hits, but, but, but know, it's an I established think, property. I think, those, I think those are boring. I don't know. They're what boring, it is. but they're but they're established properties. So like, you know, okay. And then, um, but he did like The Judge and Soloist. Yeah. And all all mm-hmm. those movies disappeared. You know, yeah. Doolittle disappeared. Like, not you know, a, what was the one that he did? Was that Galifianakis? Due date. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that I think did okay. Yeah. Because it was uh, Todd Phillips, you know, they promote it, you know, director of Hangover. So, okay, you know, this looks funny. But it was like a poor man's attempt at planes, trains, and automobiles. Great movie. I, th- I think, well, I would put Robert Downey Jr. in a whole different category. And even I would even be willing to put Chris Evans in a whole different category. And maybe Scarlett Johansson. Because those three did a lot more before Avengers. And, and probably throw Mark Ruffalo in there. But people like Chris Hemsworth or... Chadwick Boseman or um, other people are escaping me now because I'm drawing a blank. Jeremy Renner, those people, yeah. I would those can be put together because Born Legacy, right. Born Legacy, right? It was Born Legacy that he Born did. Born Legacy, yeah. Didn't do that great. Cool right. idea. I, I mean, I showed up because of of, of Rachel Weisz. Honestly, I didn't th- I didn't think it was a bad movie. I thought no. it was a pretty good movie. But if I showed it, up for the actress, not own, for him. <laughs> yeah, maybe if it was his own action movie and didn't have like you know the the Bourne name on it, then maybe it would have gotten mm-hmm. a little bit. It had to have been a cheaper movie though if it was not going to have the Bourne name attached to it. Um, but I thought the action was pretty good in that movie. Um, yeah, Jeremy Renner, like I think he's a good actor. I'm not sure he's leading man material, but I think he's a good actor. Yeah, I mean Chris um, Chris Hemsworth is more of a second bill guy. I mean they did Black Hat a couple years ago. And the problem with Black Hat is I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you the problem with Black Hat. It's like twenty years late. Yeah. Because yeah, who cares? Like the computer hacker. It, yeah, right it's now. like the net with Sandra Bullock. That movie's a bore. That's such a bore. But made today. Well, but the <laughs> net in 1995. It's great. Yeah. You know, I've I have it behind me here somewhere on DVD. Great. In 1995, yeah. where she's she was, waiting. She was hitting her stride then, yeah, too. Yeah, she was like, in her while stride. While seeping and but, speed. But, and... but imagine, at the time, in a convention, with dial-up internet trying to upload. You know, <laughs> she's like fearing for her life because they're coming through the convention. And she's yeah. trying to upload it on this centerpiece of a computer. Like, yeah, but now it's like you watch Black Hat and they're like doing like this cyber warfare. And you're just like, this just seems boring. 
you know, like yeah. this is this is taking a while. So well, I think another another slight against Black Hat is is Michael Mann, since he went towards like the digital route, you know, like yeah. I think it worked. I think it worked for Collateral because LA has got that look to it, and, and it worked. But Miami Vice was awful, in my opinion. Did he shoot uh, Collateral on? Digital? Yeah, digital. That was his, that was his first digital. Really? Because he yeah. he's one of those directors that used to shoot on tape. Oh yeah. Yeah, he used to get that look, that grainy look. It was weird. Yeah. But Which is, I think it's what he I think it's what he was going for, mm-hmm. and I think he achieved that with Collateral. Um, I like Collateral. I, I love that alleyway scene where Tom Cruise just dispatches those two guys just like that. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Cruise puts in the work. Like him and Keanu Reeves, they're probably the best like gu- gunsmen, uh, whatever you want, gunsmen um, in Hollywood. But they, know how but to they work. don't want to be bad like, guys. They don't want to be bad guys. Uh, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Well, cl- Collateral, he's a bad guy. Yeah, but know? I'm saying, but they don't want to do yeah. more bad guy roles. Yeah, they should, you know, and, and I feel like, and you say Tropic Thunder, Tom Cruise should do more comedy, too, because he's got good comic timing. He's always had he it. He should do a movie just of that character. Oh, yeah. I'm there. I'll buy a yeah. theater. I'll pay for everybody's <laughs> seat. That is phenomenal. I wonder, I wonder now, though, you know, because he's kind of like, you know, a, a combination of all the sleazy producers in Hollywood, like probably not a place for him now in, in there unless it's something where he's like trying to like re you know revitalize his image or something like that and trying to be a, a new type of producer yeah. <laughs> he's having a hard time letting that that go you know yeah. but um but okay. michael mann like you know so like um miami vice i thought it was garbage uh public enemies could have been better it could have been a good movie if it was simply shot on film or a digital camera likened to like the red or or the uh, Alexa. It just know, seemed that... messy. The story yeah, but, just yeah. seemed messy. You watch it and you're just like, wait, what? What? How did? How did we get here? There, there are some right. entertaining aspects about it. Johnny Depp was good in it. Um, but yeah, if it was just shot on film, like or, like I was saying, like or the red or Alexa, like just to make it look kind of like film. Like the way it was, like with all the shootouts and all that, it looked like a History Channel recreation <laughs> show. You know, like. Especially with this guy like tumbling down the hill like in slow motion, like but it's digital. It looks like a home video camera. Like it just doesn't look good. And then Black Hat was the same thing. Black Hat, there's one scene, like anybody that watches movies as much as we do, they'll really they'll really notice that he straight up lifted sound design from heat for one shootout sequence in the movie. It takes it's like in a in a cave or some like bunker or whatever like that. But the echoing gunshot machine gun sound effects from heat when they're shooting in the streets and all that kind of stuff. Oh, really? He just, he just straight up lifted it from it, like the same exact track. Like he didn't use the same sound. He didn't sounding. splice it in no. or something? Yeah, exactly. He just took like the <laughs> audio track and put it in it. He didn't use like the same sounding thing. No, he used the exact clip and put it in. But is it okay? Because it's his movie? <laughs> is it? It's not like, when, it's not like no. when people borrow scenes from other movies, which we've known have happened. I mean, Michael Bay did, did that. Like he did like... Um, with the island, he took a clip from the island and put it in Transformers and added yes. robots on top of it. Yes. That, that I think, is just, no. I, you, you, come on, man. Like, it's, it's like a one or two but second they did, they did that. Like, you um, really need it? I think they did that in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, too. Because there's, that's the same Detroit road, highway. Uh-huh. And I think a few of those action scenes from Mr. and Mrs. Smith in the car chase, they lifted it from the island, which is supposed to be the big drums of the train, right, the train yeah. wheels. It's supposed to be that, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, gotta, as well. i look at that again. I think they did that. Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Smith has a, a, a pretty big uh, mistake uh, early on. It, I forgot what it was. It was basically a car that he drives later in the movie. They use the front of it like in an earlier scene. 
and you could tell it's a, it's a different car at first, but it's super quick. Like if, but if you're watching, you'll notice it's super quick. And then when he pulls up to the house, it's his regular car. And later in the movie, you see him driving that car that they used a clip of. And I was like, okay. It's like the limo that he takes from uh, the restaurant when he's dancing with her. And, I have to see it. And she, she, she blows up his jacket or whatever. I have to see it. You know what? I've, yeah. only, I've only ever seen the... I've only remember watching the director's cut, and that's the only thing that makes me sad is that they should have released the director's cut because when they're in the home improvement store or the Ikea or whatever... Oh. And he's riding this little tricycle, Brad Pitt, and he's taking both guns and he's going like this and shooting the bad guys as he's riding it across. I was like, that. why is this not in the... Oh, my God. But um, <laughs> but back to Michael... So bad Boys, bad boys kind of stole that with Bad Boys for Life. He's doing that in the in the, the auto shop. Kind of, like on the car kind of. And then uh, you know, Equalizer tries to one-up them with the home improvement store at the end. Yeah, know? yeah, um, yeah. But Denzel's, Denzel's probably like... The only box office guarantee him and, and maybe Leo, DiCap- DiCaprio's Tom a really Hanks. good career right now. Tom Hanks, but is he a box office guarantee yes. anymore? I don't. Think yes, so. I think I he. Know, I think people will show up, and I think. How, how did the How did the Robertson, uh, Mr. Robinson? I, I think it did well. I don't. I don't know, but you know, he's a guy that can go and do something as dramatic as that. Probably for people who are our age or even older that would only go watch that, right? People in their twenties are not going to go watch that because they don't know what Mr. Rogers is or they didn't really get right. Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Mr. Rogers. What, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of the it, SNL sketch. No, it's called, um, um, won't you be my neighbor? Isn't it? Won't you be my I neighbor. think it is. Yeah. Um, but I think he can do that and then he can do something like bridge of spies and then he can do something like, you know, uh, what was, was, what was the Scully movie called? What's it called? No. Uh, what was, yeah. Was it called Scully? What was the airplane one? Oh, Sully. Sully. Yeah. He could do that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was you a hit. Know? Yeah. And, and, um, and the Bridge of Spies was a modest hit. Bridge of Spies was actually actually really good. It's really good. Um, I still do not agree, and I do not believe, and I will firmly plant and die on this hill that the supporting actor should not have beaten Sylvester Stallone out of Creed for that Oscar. I agree. I agree with you. Not a, he, good actor, great actor. I take that back. Great actor, the guy who plays him. Yeah. I don't think he deserved it. Stallone yeah. got. It, it, it goes back to you know like. I feel like it would have been a, like a culmination, like you know, an honorary Oscar kind of thing for Stallone, just for, for his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has he an Oscar. Great. He has one. Yeah, but he doesn't have an acting yeah. Oscar. No, yeah, <laughs> that, and, that, and that was probably his last shot. Let's be honest, that was probably his last chance. Maybe. Yeah. The same same thing with same thing with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson had, I think, his one chance with Schindler's List, and Tom Hanks won for Philadelphia that year. Great performance. Yeah. But but I think that was the one role. That Liam Neeson had a shot at was Oscar Schindler, and he's never going to get that There's shot. There's another again. person. You don't think he can draw people to the theater? He had a good run, you know, after Taken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, which, which, by the way, was released in what France for like two years, then it came here. Oh, yeah, well. a year or two. The, 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 I, think the, I think the director's French. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he had Taken, and then he did like Unknown and some other movie. Like those movies, the like gray. They bring people in. Yeah, but now, but now that he, you know, talked about like his, his past where he was looking for like a black guy just to beat up. Yeah, it's uh, a weird. He might he might he might need to take a step back a, a little bit. It's a weird space. <laughs> you know, I think I'm gonna be honest with you because I forgot forgot who he was sitting with when he said that. I think white people blew that more out of proportion than black people did. And from what I saw, from what I saw, I think white people were like, "Hang him," and black people were like, "Whoa, hold up, like, yo, it's fucked up," but. The dude, the dude said he was sorry. Like the dude said he fucked up. Like, yeah, I mean, he kind of said he was sorry, but like he said he was wrong. He, he knew he was wrong. He, he was like, "This is wrong." But like he, he, he had a weird like 
the, the actual wording of when, when he described it and all this kind of stuff, like, he just failed to say, like, you know, like, yeah, I, like, that was a different time. For, he didn't say it was a different time, but he never kind of said, like, I learned from, like, <laughs> my mistakes and my way of thinking, and I'm a better person for it. Well, um, he's not Mark but, Wahlberg. Yeah, like, you know, Mark Wahlberg, people, people yeah, he forget. Straight up beat up he somebody. He straight up beat a 70-year-old Vietnamese, Vietnamese right? guy, went to jail for it. Like yeah. he like and it was a it was a it was a it was a racial it was a hate crime that he went to jail oh, yeah. for. Like people I think he got a I think he got it expunged from his record too, like Maybe. Uh, in the recent years. Maybe. But I mean it's not it's not expunged from the internet. I mean, everybody knows. Yeah, well people then people were like, Well, but Liam Neeson said he would have beat up a bad guy, but okay, yeah, I agree with you. It's fucked up. I'm not But Mark Wahlberg actually But Mark did Wahlberg it. actually went to jail for it. Oh, but he's cool, man. Like, yeah. you know, he just did that new movie on Netflix. But here's another guy, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. He had a good run. I think he had a good run in recent years. He did that um, Peter Berg movie, went straight to Netflix. Yeah, that's it's Spencer. It's confidential, yeah. right? But but all their Patriot movies, you know, did well. Patriots Day, Lone Survivor, and there was one other one, uh, uh, Deepwater Horizon. Those yeah. all did pretty well. You know? I feel like Peter Berg. This is Peter um, Berg's like directing career right now. Is just, just yeah. It's a bummer because I was such a fan of, of his too. stuff. Really, I love very mile 40, things. Is it Mile Forty Two? Mile. 15, mile 18, uh, mile, mile 22. 22. Um, great action, but I didn't love it like some people love it. It's not the kingdom. Yeah, it, it, it should have been better. Like for the, how simple the story was, it just should have been a better yeah. movie. It's, a, it's an easy movie to do well, uh, especially with, you know, Peter Berg behind the camera. He knows how to do action. The kingdom I loved. Uh, the rundown was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, Good luck. Han- Hancock, Hancock was great for an hour. <laughs> And then there was that reveal with Charlize Theron, and the whole movie just like. That's my dog. That. That's my one-eyed pirate. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then he did uh, Battleship. But then I, oh, you know, yeah. I, what I read about he that, like, Battleship. he he did it so he can get distribution for Lone Survivor. So I can respect that. Oh, okay. You know, like like you did yeah. one to, to to get one. Well, that's what you, Michael Bay know? does. Okay. He did that's a cool. bunch of those Transformers movies, yeah. so he can do like Pain and Gain, and he can do a couple other. Passion. I like 13 Hours. I thought oh, that yeah. was actually a solid movie. I like Painting Game. That's probably Painting Game is great. Painting Game was it's fun. fun. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think 13 Hours was a better overall yeah. movie. Probably his best serious movie, 13 Hours, I would say. Hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's, you know, then there's the action. You know, like The Rock is my I was going to say, movie. I was like, you really think that's... Yeah. I'm really over The Rock. I, I, I think I think it's a better like serious movie than The Rock. The Rock is just a, a my favorite. Like it's just a more fun movie for me mm-hmm. to watch, and probably one of the best Die Hard ripoffs. You um, think it's a Die Hard ripoff? But um, yeah, Die Hard in the Jail. You know, Die Hard on the Mountain. Yeah, like the, I don't <laughs> know, man. Yeah. Die Hard on the Ship Under Siege. No, you know, terrorists no. taking over. I mean, you know, the terrorists are taking and, over, but like the whole Sean Connery thing and then that car chase with the Ferrari, which. Fun fact, I don't know how they were able to afford that because that movie was already over budget. So that must have been like a fake Ferrari underneath with just a shell. Because when they when they oh, filmed probably. that, they were already way over budget. So I don't know how they were able to yeah. even... Well, if, if you look at when like the, the trolley smashes into it, it smashes pr- pretty easy. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like there's much under, under the yeah, shell at so, all. <laughs> but yeah, I don't... I really, I would never compare it to Die Hard. I mean, I don't know. I'm there. It's, it's fun. And it's... I got one. I got one last uh, superhero, superstar comparison kind of thing. How do you feel about Ryan Reynolds? 
outside of the Deadpool series. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I really don't care for him in the Deadpool series. I like Deadpool, but I, I can live without it. Um, outside of that, if he's not doing his shtick of being comedic, I think I can enjoy him more. Because I think he does very well right. being serious. And he had that little horror genre for a bit, remember? Amityville. And a couple, yeah, Amityville a couple, Horror. Then he did Barry. Yeah, he did a couple of things. Uh, and, and then... Yeah, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. But, like, yeah, that doesn't really... That doesn't bring people no. in for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, even the comedy. Comedy is not always a guarantee for him. Like, I think that Hitman's Bodyguard did well mm-hmm. because of Deadpool. Um, and I think that was an, an anomaly. I was fully expecting for that movie to bomb. Cause I really? Think, uh, yeah, yeah. It just it just looked like a movie that would bomb, and it was a fun movie. I yeah, actually no, I, I, I didn't expect it to bomb at all. I, I I knew it was gonna make stupid uh, money, but but um, but yeah, it's you know it was a fun movie. Uh, I was surprised that it, it made as much money as it did. Ask me, ask me um, that question. If well, I don't believe anything until I see a trailer. So that let me make that very clear. Until I see it, speculation, and they're gonna make this movie until there's a trailer out. I don't believe anything. So ask me how I feel about him after his remake of Clue because I love Clue like I love the movie Clue. I think I think I think I think that movie could definitely go either way considering the success that uh, like it might build on a movie that was inspired by Clue it might build off of Knives Out uh, success yeah <laughs> which Knives Out was definitely influenced by yeah Clue. which is also Clue uh, and Knives Out is influenced by um, it's a movie from like the 50s uh, something murder something uh, I forgot what it's called, but I don't know if if, if he's gonna do a Clue remake. I don't know. It, 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 yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, go. I think I think Jason Bateman was supposed to direct that at one point. He was. He stepped out because he can't but. make it uh, work with Ozark. And you're an Ozark fan. I haven't really watched Ozark, so I, I think people I are Ozark. probably yeah. okay with that because people want more Ozark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ozark was solid. Um, he directed the first two episodes of The Outsider on HBO. Which I, coincidentally I thought were the best two episodes of of the season, uh, and then it got really kind of into the deep into the supernatural kind of stuff, which I feel like maybe that's why Jason Bateman took a like I'm out after mm-hmm. episode two because like can't really wrap yeah. my head around this stuff. I kind of I kind of feel that that's where he went with that. But Ozark's great. Um, yeah, I think it's been a good turn for him to go like movies. He did some serious stuff with The Gift. Did you ever see The Gift? No. Yeah, the gift with him and Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton's uh, directorial. That's one with Cameron Diaz, right? And, and, no, no. It's oh, that's with, the box. Uh, I'm getting that confused with, with the box. The gift is yeah. where the Joel Ed- Edgerton's character. He's in it, and he shows up to their house, and like he's supposed to be like an old yeah. He's, football he's, they, went, they went to school together. Like that. And, I've seen uh, part of it. it it's, it's it's an interesting shift throughout the movie because like you're like oh man this guy's a total creeper and then you start to like learn things about certain people like oh this is going a completely yeah. different way than I expected really great movie um, I'm a Bateman but, fan um, I mean I, yeah. I, I love horrible bosses one is definitely better than two but I'm a Bateman fan and I think yeah I couldn't even I couldn't even really? finish part two oh, I, get, I, I like it. it it's not yeah. great but yeah. you know there's a lot of funny scenes. Uh, I, I kind of have like you know, it, I feel like Horrible Bosses which, is like the what's the name of perfect... your website? It's it's Nick. What was it? Uh, Nick. Uh, oh, it's because it, it, when I forgot their names, it's nicksomethingdale.com But when you say it out loud, remember Peel? Uh, no, uh, what's his oh. name? Isn't it? Uh, um, key. Uh, uh, key. Uh, 
Key, uh, Key Peel, Peel from. Uh-huh. Anyways, Key. Keegan, Michael uh, Keegan. Michael He's Keegan. like yeah. Nickerdale dot Nickerdale dot com. He goes, yeah, that's our website. He goes, your website is Nickerdale dot. <laughs> that and there's another scene in the movie, man, where they're trying to get like the they're trying to get the upper hand on Christopher Wall and and Chris Pine's character, and then you know what's his name, who's only good as a supporting actor. Um, uh, uh, he's in. Um, He's married to Olivia, Olivia uh, Wilde, or oh, yeah, Jason, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis. Yeah, he's not. He's, no, he's not no, lady, he's not but he, man, he no. steals the phone from Jason Bateman's character, and he goes, "Now who is the grasshopper who sits on top of the blade of grass?" Ah, and Jason Bateman takes it back. He goes, "Get off the phone!" <laughs> like, shit like that. But yeah, the, the the first one, like it kind of, uh, I feel like it's a perfect example of mainstream movies, like kind of going there but not fully going there like very bad things was, was a fucked up comedy like yeah. it's a dark dark comedy and like horrible bosses i remember seeing the trailer i was just like the only way this movie could, could hit is if one of the bosses actually dies <laughs> like one of the bosses has to die which like, happens like to, for this movie spoiler alert for this movie to have any balls but but the way it happens is by one of the other bosses doing the deed for them so they get to walk away yeah, well no yeah because that's the know, whole like, shtick right like the whole shtick is you're just they're complete idiots they're just idiots. Yeah, but 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 like you know like very bad things like John Favreau like he is yeah. deep oh, in yeah. that shit like you know, like he like he's he's got his hands mm-hmm. dirty and I, I don't feel like a studio will go that route anymore. Another good example is the show on, on NBC Good Girls, which I like a lot. I like the the cast, um, but it's like you know about like normal women you know married and all this kind of stuff uh, falling into like money laundering. <laughs> Like they rob a place first and they fall into money laundering and they always just kind of lucked their way out of mm. dirty deeds. Like you're like, oh, like the guy that they're laundering money for, like you got to take care of this person. So like they're about to do it and then something else happens to that person. Mm. gets hit by a car by mm. somebody else. So they're always still kind of good people. You know, like this season they actually got their hands dirty. Like I was like, oh, finally some, some real stakes. But then like later on it's like some other stuff happens. Like, all right, here we go again. They're just lucking their way out of it. And nobody's like going for it. Like cable, but like HBO or uh, or netflix even like they would and netflix if that was a netflix show they would have killed somebody themselves by this point <laughs> three seasons yeah, in guaranteed yeah. oh man but um but yeah man we're talking about all this stuff talking about all these all these movies all this current stuff like what favorites like do you have a favorite movie like i, I see yeah. uh, rocky behind there you had bad yeah. boys you're talking about like do you have like a specific so when i movie? this question gets asked me a lot and i always try to make sure i, I clarify to people like my favorite movie is a because I ask some people and they're like, well, I'm like, what's your favorite movie? And they're like, well, I don't know, it changes from time to time. I'm like, no. When I ask you what your favorite movie is, if it's on TV, even if it's on crappy censored television, if it's something that can play in your DVD player every day on tape, DVD player, the soundtrack, that is your favorite movie. And for me, it's always been Rocky. It, it's behind me. I have various different posters of Rocky. I have. All, I have it on DVD. I have it on Blu-ray. I'm not, I don't plan on getting rid of it. I, mean, I have it on VHS. Like, I, I love the, the idea of Rocky, right? So, and who Rocky is. And what it, people don't believe me when I tell them it's actually a love story. You know, and Stallone has said this, and Talia Shire have said this. It's a, it's a love story. It's a, between these two, these two characters coming together. And, and it's, you know, a million to one shot that he he's able to get but 
the idea behind Rocky, how it was made, how he had to sell his dog to make it, and then buy his dog back and give the guy a movie role, yeah. you know, and then, you know, just how, how in these moments, whether it's in the movie, or whether it's the character we're talking about, or even Stallone we're talking about, there is stuff that happens that you think, wow, nothing's going to work out, and it works out. The, the ice rink scene, the, where yeah. they're ice skating together in that scene, how amazing is that scene with just two of them, right? He gives the guy, hey, oh, I'll give you, you know, give me 10 minutes. He goes, $10. He goes, this guy gives me a hard bargain, you know? And he gives him $10. That scene <laughs> was shot at 4 a.m. in the morning, dead cold morning. He showed up on a bus, supposed to have 200 extras. The guy who's on the ice rink is the only extra that showed up. You know, and it's shit like they, he has to rewrite the script. Like, okay, because it was actually supposed to be yeah. both of them, like him not wearing his skates and kind of like going around people and trying to like, you know, ice skate and them have a date. But how magical is it just them two? You know, like how, man, yeah. how did that work out? And, you know, his character goes through these stuff and him going through this stuff. And, man, you know, life's a life's rough, man. And it's, it's not, it's yeah. always going to hit you harder than anybody else. So for me, it's always been Rocky and, and yeah, I love bad boys. It's mostly movies that, that, that affected me growing up. I know Rocky is not the best movie ever made. The best movie ever made in my opinion is, is movies like seven samurai and citizen Kane. Those are the top notch right. peer, anything by Akita Kurosawa personally is my favorite, but, but I love Rocky. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. perfect movies. Like, you know, even like uh, Aliens has a couple of mistakes, but I feel like Aliens yeah. is a perfect movie. Or like, uh, you know, uh, more, even recently, L.A. Confidential. I think mean, that's a perfect movie. But I have favorite movies. What's yours? Over that. And like my, mine is uh, Shawshank Redemption. I even got like a tattoo on my arm, Get Busy Living, Get Busy Dying. I never knew that. That's a fun fact. <laughs> but, uh, I, I never yeah, knew man. that. That's my that's my first uh, first and only tattoo. I want to get more, but that's that's the only. It's gonna be a hard time, long time before I get another tattoo. <laughs> but uh, but no man, I always loved that movie. Um, I didn't get mm-hmm. to see it in the theater, um, and it came out in the wrong year. I think you know, like I mean, even though what it's year? the test of time and people love it, it came out '94. Came out pulp, against Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump. Man, you know, like, the the box office Oof. smash, Oscar winner, and like the indie sensation man, that rough. changed independent that's film rough. forever. You know, like. So it just got overlooked, you know. But I think over time, like, I think people could acknowledge that Shawshank Redemption is a much better film than Forrest Gump. I love Forrest Gump. But it's a much better film than Forrest Gump. Arguable against Pulp Fiction because, you know, Pulp Fiction. I was reading recently, not to change the subject, but my understanding is the character that Tom Hanks plays in Forrest Gump was actually supposed to be like a big fat guy from the book. Oh, maybe, and when they know. when they threw it to Tom Hanks, it like it changed or something. It changed to something like that. Like I remember Tom Hanks took some liberties and changed. They changed things around. But yeah, probably, Tom Hanks probably read. It, he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, no. Well, I I, I think they rewrote <laughs> I, I, it. He's like, I still look good. I'm still I'm still relatively young. I think they rewrote young. it for him no. because they were trying to get it made. Because that took a couple mm. years to get made. And then I think when it finally got to Zemeckis, because yeah. it's Zemeckis who made it. And then when he. When he wrote to Tom Hanks with it, it was like it had changed so many things already. But the book is a lot different than that. Yeah, because Shawshank is based then, off a book, right? Um, the screenwriter. Yeah, it's based on a, a novella from uh, Stephen King. I don't know if it's called Shawshank Redemption. I think it's, I think it's called 
oh, I forget the, the name of the actress. Now that I'm thinking about it, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. The poster on his wall. But that actress's name and the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I think that's the name of it. yeah. Um, Shit. But yeah, so, um, Damn. yeah, I love that movie. Um, the music's beautiful. Thomas Newman score, you know, great acting. Tom, um, Morgan Freeman. That narrations is killer. It was like a perfect, a, that's a perfect movie. And also, uh, Morgan Freeman's movie. character like, is actually supposed to be a white guy with red hair. From the from from oh, the book, so yeah. they made, well, they they made, they made the right choice. That's why they made the right choice. Um, there's a, there's even a throwaway not a throwaway line, but there's a throwaway line. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's black well, Irish. Then, just yeah. before that, he goes, "Why do they call you this?" And then it's supposed to be kind of like a joke yeah. on the character itself. I mean, yeah. but the most gut wrenching scene for me in Shawshank Redemption is, is I'm trying to remember the old guy's name, but he gets released from jail. Yeah, Brooks. He tries to live his life, yeah. and he just oh yeah, that was like ah. Oh. Just, just the, just the music. Or like he's on the bus. He's like, you know, clenching the the, the seat bar. Like he's just terrified, terrified old man. Um, but you know, that speaks a lot to just incarceration mm-hmm. and like you get used to this system and like you don't know how to do anything else. And I've seen that a lot um, working on certain shows. But um, but yeah, Shawshank's one of those movies. You know, like it's on TV. I'm watching it. Like it, I'm, I'm gonna watch it. Oh yeah. Um, but everything about it, from like the writing, the acting, directing, the music, it's a perfect, perfect film. Uh, it seems like Frank Darabont's actually built his career off of Stephen King <laughs> novels, Green Mile and The Mist. Did you see The Mist? I did. I liked it. Um, that ending. Oof. Man. <laughs> That's another one. You, you probably won't see a, a studio movie today taking that chance. Well, didn't the show? Didn't they make a show? They made a show. I didn't. I didn't check it out. It was, I forget what channel it was on. I was like. On some throwaway. Time. I mean, they do. They will. They will. They'll take. They'll. They'll still take risks because if if you watch the remake of It and It Two, yeah, it, they yeah. they go pretty far. And it like that. That did you see It Two? Yeah, they go pretty violent with it. The um, beginning. I, I wasn't a fan of It Two though. I, th- I thought it was the, pretty messy yeah, compared to the first film. But but the extreme of that guy getting beat the crap out of him and they're yeah, both yeah. gay. That yeah. was. I was actually kind of like, whoa, they went there. Like nobody's mad. Some people were mad. Some people were mad. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, for me it's Shawshank. Um, yeah, I got the I got the tattoo. I got a, a couple of posters. Judy got me a, a poster you, you'd appreciate um, with the certificate and everything. All the cast uh, signed it, and Frank Darabont and all that kind of stuff. So it's you know what? I'm gonna send you a photo, and hopefully people out there can check it out. There's an artist named Paul Mann. I think I sent you his stuff before, but he did a Shawshank poster, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, I gotta check it's, that out. Yeah. It's oh, it's it's gorgeous and it's printed on a great, a great this amazing paper and it's and it's the detail in it you'll love it okay, you'll cool. love it and if anybody's out there watch, check out Paul Mann's work it's, it's the it's great it's not he's he's one of my favorite artists um, but yeah the other yeah. poster I have of uh, Shawshank is like a, more like a comic book kind of version of Shawshank and this artist Justin Reed does it kind of like those those you know drawings where like the head's bigger than the body kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I got one of those. I got a Fight Club one. Um, he's pretty. Oh yeah, cool. you show me that one. Yeah. You show me that one. I think yeah. the last time I checked on him, he does like custom stuff. Like you know, like you, you would come to him with a project of yours, and like he'll do like I don't know how much he charges. I'm sure it's a considerable amount. But well, it's, that's it's why you want to do thing. a pool of it. You want to do a pool, and there's a couple of different. You know, I don't want to go too far on the standards, but you can get like a. If there's a Facebook group, and everybody chips in with like 100, 125 bucks, you know, and you get like a hundred people. He'll do an AP for it. Takes about a year sometimes, so it's like an investment because it's got to get it's his time, plus it getting sent to the sh- to the printing press, plus it getting shipped to you. 
So it can run about 100, 150 bucks, but then a market value on that, you know, like the Mad Max one that I sent you a couple weeks ago, that sold for 150 by Paul Man. Nice. And then it hits the market, it's like instantly three hundred dollars. Yeah. You're just like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, I guess I'll wait a couple of years. Yeah. You know, but um, but hey, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta call it. Yeah, man, I gotta my, walk the dog. It's about that time. I hear he's nudging yeah. uh, my wife outside to, to take him out, so I gotta go handle that. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for watching. If you're listening in your car, at home, at work, or wherever you are, thanks for checking us out. This is episode two, and uh, we'll be back at you with episode three. Coming soon. Right, Coming man, soon, guys. Us.